Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. We've been in a series of messages that we have called Family Tree, and we have been looking at the lineage, the, the genealogy, the ancestry of Jesus Christ. Matthew begins with this in the very opening of his gospel where he just walks us through who Jesus' ancestors were. And we're not going to go back to that family tree this week. We'll, we'll, we'll jump back there next Sunday. But I got thinking about this, that the people that were in Jesus' family tree were real people. They were actual individuals, men and women, who lived their lives. And someday, and I know this seems kind of weird because of the way we think of the scriptures, the way we think of the thousands of years since they were written, since those people lived, but someday I'm going to have a chance to meet those people. You will too. Someday we're going to be in heaven, and when we're there, there will be a great reunion. Although this sermon isn't a theology of heaven, I hope it's in the front of your mind as we talk about these things, because we really do believe when we look at scripture that someday we'll get to heaven and we will know people. We will know people that we have known on earth. We'll recognize them. There will be this familiarity that we'll have with some people. And I believe we'll even know some of the saints of the Old Testament. It's interesting, in the book of Matthew, when Jesus is transfigured, and we'll get to this story later, it's near the latter half of the book, but Peter recognizes Moses and Elijah right away. There's no way he ever saw them. He, he couldn't have seen a picture of them on the internet. It was something that in the spirit, he was aware in a spiritual sense of who those two people were. And I believe that in the same way, in heaven, we will recognize individuals and know who they are. So someday in heaven, I'm gonna get a chance to meet Abraham and I'm gonna get to talk to David and I'll hear stories about the kingdom of Israel. And I'll know what it was like for Ruth and Boaz to fall in love because we'll be able to hear those stories of God's faithfulness from them. And the Bible tells us that in this moment, those same saints are busy on our behalf. Look at this, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. The author of Hebrews has just finished in chapter 11 telling stories about the saints of the church. If you've never read Hebrews chapter 11, it's kind of a cool synopsis of many of the stories in the Old Testament because it's talking there about the heroes of the faith and how they lived by faith. And at the end of that, after the author of Hebrews writes to us about these people who have been in, we'll call it the hall of fame of faith, we read this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. The author of Hebrews tells us that you and I are being surrounded by that cloud of witnesses, the saints that we read about in Jesus' family tree, the heroes we read about in Hebrews chapter 11. They are a cloud of witnesses. Well, what does that mean? A cloud was a term that was used often about a crowd that would surround people. It was a cloud of witnesses. Witnesses to what? To the glory of God, to his faithfulness, to the way he works in our lives when we trust him with faith. 
And we read in the book of Hebrews that you and I are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And when we read this, it has this idea and this concept of individuals who are in an arena and they are cheering on the race. They're yelling out for the runners. They are encouraging them and they're saying to them, hang in there, don't give up, don't stop, keep running and they are cheering them on. It's a crowd in the stadium. They're there to watch the athletes and to cheer them on to victory. Now that's not just a modern day idea. The, the modern day Olympics, as you probably know, have their roots in ancient Greece. And so in the time of the New Testament, that concept of a crowd coming into an ancient stadium, watching the athletic competition and even cheering on the racers, well, this, this was not a new idea. And so when the author of Hebrews uses this imagery, it's one that they could recognize, that they could see. And we believe this, that they are cheering us on today. Not just those ancient um, fans that are in the stadium cheering that cloud of witnesses, but Randy Alcorn in his book on heaven has said this, we should be encouraged that our loved ones who are with Christ are not in a state of ignorance, but are vitally interested in God's kingdom on earth. We believe that those who are in heaven it seems to be from the teaching of scripture are also aware of what's happening. It's likely, Alcorn says, they cheer us on in our service of the king. Hebrews 12.1 says we're surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses. This suggests crowds gathered in a stadium to watch the athletes on the field below. The departing of believing loved ones is not the end of our relationship with them, only an interruption. We've not lost them because we know where they are. They're experiencing the joy of Christ's presence in a place so wonderful that Christ called it paradise. And one day, we're told, we'll be brought back together in a magnificent reunion to be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. I love those pictures that Alcorn paints in his book on heaven because I believe that in that cloud of witnesses that are cheering you on, cheering me on, it's not just Moses and Abraham, but it's my dad and my grandparents. It's your loved ones who were believers in Jesus and are now in his presence, and they are cheering you on in the race of life. We have this stadium filled with giants in the faith who are cheering us on. And then that also made me think of what the Bible tells us just a few chapters before in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, where the same author writes, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Not only is there a heavenly cloud of witnesses that is cheering us on, but we're called to encourage and to cheer one another on. We are to be a, a group of believers together who are in the habit of encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day of Jesus Christ returning, coming closer and closer. Look, you and I are running the same race. We are encouraging each other in this process. It's not a competition. It's one where we cheer each other on. We are a part of that cloud of witnesses, both present and future. And if that's the case, what do we do? If you and I are, are both runners, 
How do we encourage each other in the race of life? I want to show you from this passage in Hebrews chapter 12 and, and chapter 10, what I'm just going to call three cheers for fellow runners, how we encourage one another in the race of life. We're going to look at these three cheers for fellow runners. When you come up against someone who is running this same race, what do we think we hear from that cloud of witnesses? What should we hear from each other? When you interact with fellow believers, how should you encourage them? Let me give you three cheers that you can shout out, that you can encourage others with in the race of life. Here's the first one. Number one, keep running. <laughs> the first one is to encourage one another. Keep running. Look, I believe we're all in this race, and we're in this race together. And the race is not a competition. I'm not trying to be faster than you. I'm not trying to go farther than you. Here's what I think, that the race is more like a relay than it is a competition, and we're all on the same team. For some of us, we are handing off the baton to another runner. We're making sure that they can pick that up and carry on. And if we're all on that same team, we're not only running our leg of the race, but if we're going to be victorious, then we want to encourage the other runners not to give up, not to, not to kind of fizzle out, but to keep on running. That passage we read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, tells us that we have a cloud of witnesses that is encouraging us, cheering for us. And as a result, it's interesting, he tells us to throw off the hindrances and the sins that entangle, and he tells us to carry on, to persevere. So let me show you just a few things that I think that means. One, if you're gonna encourage someone to keep running, then you encourage them to throw off hindrances and keep running. Like, get rid of the things that will hold you back. See, this was actually a Greek practice. It was a practice for Greek runners to as they would run, there were articles of clothing that they would take off in the process so that they could, over that long distance, run unencumbered. It represents anything that might hold us back, even a weight, I think is the word the King James Version uses, for us to keep running this race. This is really encouragement that is significant and one we need to hear if there is something that's holding you back, something that slows your race, maybe something that you're too attached to, now's a good time to let the Spirit speak to you and say, what are the things that I need to loosen my grip on so that I can run the race that I've been called to. We got a new vacuum cleaner recently, and we'd had our old one for, man, years and years and years, and so we, we picked up this new one, and uh, the suction power on this thing is so much greater than the one we had before, and I've noticed this, this thing that when I'm vacuuming, it gets so much suction power that I'm literally getting a workout trying to just move this vacuum cleaner back and forth, trying to move it. It's like it's so attached. It's difficult. And the other day when I was like wrapping up the cord and getting it all uh, finished up after using it, I noticed there was this little slider on the side. And it said if you're vacuuming kind of a, a carpet that's got some thickness to it, then you might want to slide this slider down because it releases some of the suction and it still picks up stuff. It still cleans well but it adjusts the suction so it's not so attached and makes it easier. You have less hindrance, less resistance when you're cleaning. And man, it made a world of difference. I just slid that little thing down. 
And now it's still doing a good job, but it's not as attached as it once was. I have less hindrance to do the purpose of what I'm there to do. Look, there are some things in our lives that we are attached to in such a way that it's hard for us to let go of those things. And that connection, that suction, if you will, keeps us from doing everything that God would call for us to do in the race. So are there some hindrances in your life? Not necessarily that they're bad things, but you may need to adjust some things in your life so that you can be more committed to the race. So in some ways, you have to throw off hindrances and keep running. He even says we need to throw off sin and keep running because he says the sin is what entangles us. What's that mean? Well, the sin's what trips us up. Like, are there some places, whether you call it habitual sin or whether you call it the temptations that you're more prone to, or there's things in our lives that, and we've looked at this in the last few weeks, that can have a tendency to to trip us up, to derail us. We might need to deal with those things. I I don't know. Maybe this comes from years of being a kid's pastor or enjoying um, video games with my kids, but my mind went to, have you ever played Mario Kart? And you know, one of the things you got to look out for if you've ever played the video game Mario Kart is if somebody drops banana peels in front of you. Because if you're racing and you hit a banana peel, it's going to spin you out. You you need to avoid those things. Don't let them trip you up in your race. Uh, Maybe an analogy that we can all relate to is you ever had a shoelace that was untied? And maybe you went to run and you tripped on that shoelace and you got entangled in it even more Anybody ever pulled a trick on you where they tied your shoelaces together and you didn't realize it and you go to stand up and here your your feet are connected and you get tangled up in your own two feet? This is the imagery that the author uses to talk about sin because if we're not careful, it's going to trip us up. He says that we need to throw off hindrances and throw off sin and then he says, persevere and keep running. You need to persevere. Don't give up. Don't stop. You will get weary. You will get tired. He says, keep running and persevere. And remember, the imagery we're working here with is there is a cloud of witnesses, Old Testament saints, New Testament saints, loved ones that have gone before who are cheering us on. They're saying, don't give up. Persevere. Keep running. Keep running. Keep running. And we've got each other. The same book of Hebrew tells that we're supposed to encourage and cheer one another on. Keep running. And I can't help you unless I realize that you are running too. You're in a race as well. Just maybe let this thought catch your attention for just a moment. Everyone is running. Everyone that you sit next to in church, everyone that you know is a follower of Jesus Christ. The reality is everyone in the world in some way is running the race of life. Not everyone's headed in the right direction, but everyone is running. So what can I do today to encourage my fellow runners, to help them, to move past the hindrances, to help them to not get tangled up in sin, and maybe most of all, to help them to persevere. What word can you speak? What encouragement can you bring? Who is God gonna put in your path, even maybe before this day's out, that it's just a word from you, or sometimes it's just your presence? Who do you know that's going through a difficult time What do you ask and pray for that someone would do for you in your race 
that you can do for someone else to encourage that family member, to, to cheer on that friend, to find a way to be there for someone else who is running and tell them, hey, don't you give up, keep running. Both of our boys have trained for long distance races. They've run marathons. And this is this crazy process that I have never done anything like this, but it's been fascinating for me to kind of live it a little vicariously through them. And as they've run these races, it has had this extensive pattern of training that has come with it beforehand. And I've wanted to know, hey, hey guys, how, how, how far was that run you did today? And where are you at in your training process? And tell me what this is like. And talk about what goes through your mind. And what is this experience? And how does the weather affect this kind of thing? And I want them to know that I'm engaged and cheering them on because I believe in them. I believe that they can do this. This is important to them. And I want them to have this sense of accomplishment. Well, look, the people around you, whether they realize it or not, are in training and they're running the race of life. So can you speak into their lives and encourage them? The first cheer that I'd give you for your fellow runner is to keep running. Here's the second one. It comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, where after he has talked about the cloud of witnesses, the writer of Hebrews says, we are fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The second cheer for your fellow runners in the race of life is this. Number two, fix your eyes on Jesus, that we encourage our friends with this, that we cheer one another on by reminding us that we fix our eyes on Jesus. What do you mean, Chad? Well, as you're running the race, remember what Jesus did. Fix your eyes on Jesus' endurance that Jesus, even though he had to face opposition, even though he had to face crucifixion, even though he had to endure the cross, scorning its shame, he knew what was ahead. And so Jesus endured through that process. So you fix your eyes on Jesus' endurance. You fix your eyes on Jesus' endurance and believe that he is going to help you as you endure the race that you are running See, you and I are gonna come up against our own battles. We're gonna have our own struggles and we need endurance to make it through those times. We need God's help to go through those seasons. And what Jesus' life reminds us is that it was through his endurance that our salvation came. So not only do you fix your eyes on Jesus' endurance, but remember this, that our toughest battles lead to our greatest victories. And sometimes we, we want to give up in the middle of the tough battles. But when we endure, that's what leads to the most important and powerful things in our lives. And some of you are in a really tough battle right now. And you wonder if you're going to make it on the other side. But it's our toughest battles that lead to our greatest victories in life. So I would encourage you, don't give up. Continue to endure. You fix your eyes on Jesus' endurance and fix your eyes on Jesus' example because this whole passage shows that he gives to us his example. It's the example of Jesus Christ, the author of Hebrews says, that allows us to keep running. He says it this way in verse three, Hebrews chapter 12, verse three. He says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him who endured Jesus' endurance, what he went through for you, what he went through for me. Consider that 
so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Those same verbs in the Greek that are here for growing weary and losing heart are the same words that are used in other ancient Greek literature to talk about how sometimes in a race, a runner could be exhausted. And Jesus gives us the example that even through the toughest times, you don't want to give up. Keep running and fix your eyes on Jesus. Have you ever heard of a program called The World's Toughest Race? It was a race that was 671 kilometers. It took place over 11 days in Fiji. It included paddling, sailing, mountain biking, whitewater rafting, rappelling, climbing, and canyoneering. It was the equivalent of 16 marathons, but exponentially more difficult. And you watch the first episode of the show, and they have these 60 teams from 30 different nations, and they are stoked. Like, they are ready to go. They are excited. Whatever the challenge is, they're going to take it on. And they've been training for months, even some of them for years. During the race, the top teams would sleep for only a few hours a day. Others wouldn't sleep at all. There was one team who dropped out in the middle of the race who had only slept for four hours in four days. Others found themselves stopping the race because of hypothermia or infections. Some couldn't go on because of pure exhaustion. Others dropped out because of physical, mental, emotional fatigue. And what's interesting is most of them, when they dropped out, they didn't do it right at the beginning. And they didn't do it when they could see the end. When they dropped out, they dropped out in the middle. The middle's usually the toughest part because you know there's a lot more to go sometimes. Or sometimes you don't have a clue how much more is to go. You're not sure where victory's gonna be. You're maybe not even sure how much longer it might be. You just know you're at a point where you go, I don't know that I can do this much more. I've heard that from runners. But I've also heard it from believers that when we're in the race of life, Sometimes the easiest thing would be for us to just give up in the tough times. Can I encourage you, don't give up in the middle. Because the middle's the place where it's going to be easiest to give up. The middle's going to be the place where it's going to be the easiest to say, I don't know that I can do this anymore. I don't know that I have it in me. But in the middle of those things is usually where something is happening inside of you. There's something that's happening in the big picture that as you push through and persevere, as you put that one more foot in front of the other, that's what's gonna get you to the place of victory. Look, don't give up in the middle. The whole point of the example of Jesus is that he did not give up. We celebrate what he did on the cross when he died for us. His crucifixion paid the price for our sins, and it's his resurrection that we get so excited about. Easter's a big deal because Jesus is alive, but crucifixion must come before a resurrection. And we celebrate the resurrection, but there's no resurrection without the crucifixion. And that crucifixion must come before the resurrection. It was the crucifixion. And then Jesus in the tomb. That's the silence. That's the pain. That's the endurance of the middle. And if you're in the middle of a tough stretch in your race right now, don't give up. Keep running. And fix your eyes on Jesus. 
And then one last thing I want to show you, because this is a theme that's woven into every time you see these passages on a race or these passages on endurance or these passages on encouragement. Here's, Here's the example we already looked at, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Because remember, there's a cloud of witnesses of saints from Scripture And there's a cloud of witnesses from the people that have gone before. And there's a cloud of witnesses who are cheering you on from your loved ones in Christ. And I believe that we are called both present and future to be a part of those who are running the same race. We're in the same relay together. And as we hand things over, we are cheering others on. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. We are called to encourage one another. I hope that you'll take time this week to encourage one another, that when you see someone else who's racing, that you'll encourage them. And all the more as you see the day approaching. In our life where for many of us, we don't lack much between convenience and technology There's not a whole lot that we miss out on in life sometimes. But it's in those tough moments of the race that we need to be reminded not only to keep running and not only to fix our eyes on Jesus, but here's the third thing, number three. Here's a cheer for your fellow runner. Jesus is coming. See, what we're running for is someday as we see the day approaching, as we get closer to the day of Christ's return, we're reminded to keep running Because there is a finish line, Jesus is coming. He says we do this as we see the day approaching. Well, look, do we see the day approaching? (laughs) You better believe it. Read the headlines and, and look at Scripture and just consider the teaching of God's Word. Every day we get closer to the eventual coming of Jesus Christ. And if Jesus is coming, then we encourage each other. We need each other. More than you might know or realize, we need to encourage each other with, I know you're in a tough spot. I know this is a difficult season. I know you're running the race. I know you're picking up speed. Jesus is coming. And don't forget that that's what you're running for. In fact, when Paul talks to us about the end of time, a passage of scripture where we refer to this as the rapture, we read this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. There's your cloud of witnesses. <laughs> and so we will be with the Lord forever. Ever. That's a good word. At some point, our race on life will be done. We'll be with Jesus forever, not in some boring heaven, but in a heaven where all of our longings will be fulfilled and all of our hopes will be realized and everything we've ever dreamt of and wanted will not only be there, but we'll be in the presence of Jesus. Like we'll be fully satisfied. That day is coming. That's why Paul says, therefore, because of this, because Jesus is coming, encourage one another with these words. They're not words that should terrify us. They're not words that should be a puzzle that we try to solve. They're words that we should encourage each other and go, I know today's tough, but Jesus is coming. I know you don't see an answer right now, but Jesus is coming. I know you don't know how long this race is going to be, but there is a finish line. Jesus is coming. Look, we have a future promise that Jesus is coming. 
If you want to know what you're running for, you're running for that day when you stand before Jesus. You're not running from it. You're running to it. The hope is the reason you run is that someday you're going to stand before Jesus and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Look, we have a future promise that Jesus is coming. Look, I believe our lives have a finish line, but it's not until you breathe your last and stand in, in the presence of Jesus or until the day when Jesus comes again, that's the finish line. That's what we're running for. And the promise is you are not running in vain because Jesus is coming. There's another passage where, where Paul talks about this and how important this is. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, where he says this. This is right at the end of Paul's life. And he says, look, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. We not only have a future promise, we have a future prize. Jesus is coming. And he says he's going to give the crown of righteousness. This was common. They didn't give out medals in the games in the ancient world like we do in our Olympics or competitions. They gave out these crowns. Most of them were just these wreaths. The crowns were something special that were reserved for often military victories or other places where some great victory was won in some way. And we don't run in vain. We run in some day to stand before Jesus and know that the way you run the race today will determine how you'll stand in front of Jesus in the future. And we have a future prize that we live for. It's to be in the presence of our Lord and Savior. So keep running. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Because Jesus is coming. And he's coming again. Look, what we need to know is that all of heaven is cheering us on. There is a cloud of witnesses that if you're moving through a tough season right now, know in your heart that they're saying, keep running, fix your eyes on Jesus, because Jesus is coming. If you wonder if how you're living has any value when you try to please God, if you're wondering when you live differently than the world around you, if it matters at all, when you question if you can even have the strength that's needed to get through this season, when you're wrestling in such a way to go, I'm in the middle of a time and I don't know if this is ever going to end. When you wonder if running the race is even worth it, you keep running and you fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't you give up in the middle because Jesus is coming and there's a whole cloud of witnesses people that you've never met but one day in heaven you will loved ones that you grieve for but people you'll see in heaven again your friends and family around you in the church who are cheering you on so keep running many of you know that our youngest son Evan spent a couple of years overseas and just recently came back home again and there was something powerful 
about as his dad, sitting in the airport, waiting for him to come walking through. If you've ever picked up anybody or gone on an international flight in and out of the airport in Detroit, waiting for them to come walking out of those doors that automatically open up and kind of take you out of the customs area and into the, the real world, if you will. And we knew because we were texting that his plane had landed, that he was here. But he had to go through that whole process with the passport, with your baggage, with customs, with all of that, to get through those doors and know that he was home. And there was something that as his parents, we stood there and we waited. For years, we had cheered him on while he was gone. We were proud and encouraged by what he had done. There was something special when those doors opened up and we saw him walk through because that part of that race, he had been victorious in. And I want you to know that in that same way, there is a cloud of witnesses from Abraham to your loved ones who's cheering you on. And if you wonder if you're going to be able to make it, if you're not so sure that you can put one more foot in front of the other, there will come a day when you will come through that gate and you'll enter into the presence of Jesus and you'll see Jesus knowing that you have kept the faith, that you fought the good fight, that you finished your race. You'll hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And those words will mean so much. So my friend today, keep running. Fix your eyes on Jesus because Jesus is coming. Lord, thanks for this reminder from your word. And God, would you help us to encourage one another? Because we're all running the same race. That as we see our, our friends, our family, our church running this race, that we would spur one another onto good works, that we would encourage one another to keep the faith, to fix our eyes on Jesus. And Lord, for the one who is struggling in the race today, because they're weary, because life has thrown them curveballs, because they're dealing with things that they didn't expect, and they're asking themselves the question, can I, can I put one more foot in front of the other? Lord, for the ones that are in the middle of it right now, would you let today, by your spirit, be an encouragement? Do not give up. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Keep on running. Lord, would you give strength to the one who's running? Would you give encouragement to the one who's running? And Lord, maybe for the one who has been running from you, but today needs to run to you. Would this be a moment, right wherever they're watching this, for them to say, Jesus, I need you. Lord, would you help us to run the race because you are coming again. Lord, would you bless our race with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.